Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. So good to see so many of you just in worship, just going and it's like touch and go, giving people hugs, and I think I probably smell like 15 people's deodorant and cologne and aftershave now. Um, but it's just such a delight to be here. Um, uh, many of you already asked, where's Fee? And then I saw your face drop when I informed you that she's already gone back to the States. Um, but Fee was here. We were here for about two weeks. Um, and as soon as we arrived, um, I got really, really sick. Um, so her parents uh, over in the street and looking after me, that was pretty much her time here. Um, our youngest, uh, Jonah, had uh, surgery this last Thursday on his mouth, so she had to fly back. So she flew back on her own, but sends her love. And uh, just the team and Fee agreed that probably I was back, due back here in February anyway, uh, so I would just stay. So I'm actually here for another three weeks, so uh, excited to get some time with many of you and, and catch up. All right, if you have a Bible, if you can turn to Revelation chapter 4, I love this series and the theme that you're on uh, from Revelation, Letters to the Churches. Um, and although that's not exactly what my assignment is today, I'm going to start with there, but I'm going to ask you all to do something before we get into this, and that's, if you are able, would you please stand to your feet? And if you're able, if you can read this passage with me, whether you're on an iPad or an iPhone, or you have your real paper Bible with you, But I want to just give an instruction, I want to provoke us this morning, that as I pray this and I read this scripture, I want you in a moment to imagine yourself fully grown up. I want you to imagine yourself in a moment when I pray, being as mature as you possibly can be before Jesus comes back. I want you to imagine what you as a believer fully mature, fully grown in the way that you think, in the way that you act, in the way that you worship, in the way that you conduct your life and your business, in your marriage with your children. I want you to imagine, if you can, what it would be like to be fully grown. So just close your eyes for a moment, and I'm going to read this word, or if you'd like to, you can follow it on with me. It's Revelation chapter 4. And after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice that I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit. Wow. At once... I was in the spirit. Oh, to be in the spirit. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. <laughs> the mystery, the someone. Just lift your, start to lift your hands where they are, if you can, until you can actually feel them stretch.
and imagine yourself, I'm growing up. I can't stay here. I must mature. I must move forward. Holy Spirit, right now I thank you for every single person in this room. And I ask that like John, that we would come up higher this morning, that each and every single one of us in this room, including myself, would come up to a place where we see another aspect and facet of who you are. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would not leave us where we are, but you would take us from one degree of glory or maturity to another. And we thank you that a time will come where the Spirit and the Bride say together, come Lord Jesus, and you, the King of glory, will return. The skies will open. A trumpet will sound. And you will come to collect a bride that has made herself ready. A house that is built of not of brick and mortar, but of living stones. I thank you that you're coming back for a body that is fitly joined to, together, functioning together under the direction of the head, which is you. We thank you that you're coming back for a bride that is stunning, that is neither old or too young, but is beautiful in her prime. We thank you, Lord. You're coming back for an army with banners as fair as the moon. And I ask today, through the reading of your word, that we would come up a little bit higher and leave different than way we, the way we arrived. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Whew, okay. Have you ever been in a time of worship, um, in a meeting? Have you ever been listening to someone read the word, or maybe you were reading the word yourself, and suddenly nothing else matters. Something was said, either a word in a song, or a word in a message, or a text in the word of God, and all of a sudden, you're just taken somewhere else. You're, you're captivated by a word, or a, or a sentence, or uh, there's something just, wow. Put your hands up if that was you. In worship this morning, maybe a, a word that we were singing and suddenly it magnified the Lord so much you were unaware of anything else. I love those moments. And I had one a few months ago. Jonathan Horsfall and myself were in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. We were there to see some leaders from Uganda. And it, uh, we had to fly through there anyway. And because of for various different reasons, we decided to meet them in Dubai. One of the reasons being that my mum and dad were in Dubai because my father was having surgery on his eye. And it was the cheapest place um, that they could have, they could have surgery there in Dubai. So we all met together and actually Jonathan and I surprised them in the hotel that they were staying in and um, had no idea we were coming and we were able to spend um, those few days with the leaders from Uganda and with my parents. 
And during the talk course of one of our coffees together, they were just talking and my dad was talking and I suddenly had one of those moments where suddenly everything just zoned out and I was just acutely aware of this one word that he said and this was the word, it was the word teleos. Will you say that with me? Teleos. I think this is going to go up on the screen behind me, guys, if you can put that up. Teleos. It is a Greek word, teleos. And as he began to talk and unpack this, he said this. He said, God reigns on the just and the unjust. I said, yeah, I know that scripture. And he said, but think about that. God himself blesses, reigns, loves not only the just, but also the unjust. And then he said this. And for us to be fully grown, for us to grow up, means that we need to be like God. And it's a Greek word, teleos, which means to be like God, which means the ultimate goal, the ultimate aim. It means to have arrived. It means to become adult, to completion. In reflection of the end, the final, the ultimate, the mature. And I had this moment and I went back to my room and I began to study teleos. Why have I never heard this before? Why, this is amazing, this word. And and suddenly I, I just began on this journey of teleos. What is teleos? What would a teleos marriage look like? What does teleos look like when it's fully grown in this area and in that area? Paul says in Colossians chapter one, verse 28, he says, I make it my goal to present every man complete or teleos in Christ. So the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said this. He said, I make it my goal to present every man teleos in Christ, fully mature in Christ. And I want to talk about this this morning, and I, I'm here for, for two Sundays, but I, I, I want to provoke us, and I want to, to cause something inside of us to want to come up higher. Will you say that with me? Come up higher. John was in the Spirit, and the voice said, come up here higher, and I will show you what must take place. And when I look at the body of Christ around the world and have the privilege of traveling and seeing different ministries and churches, I think, wow, the church is growing up, but boy, the church has got some growing up to do. Philippians chapter 3, um, I, I think it's going to go up on the screen. Philippians chapter 3, we'll read this text together. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have been made perfect, but... But this one thing I do, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it, but forgetting, everyone say forgetting, that which is behind and straining to that which is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God is calling me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says this, all of us who are mature should take a view on these things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I love that. (laughs) And then he says this, 
only live up to that which you have already attained. So he starts, watch this, by using the word obtained, and he finishes by using the word attained. That which we have already obtained. Not that I have already obtained everything, not that I've taken hold of everything, but let us live up to that which we have already attained. In other words, we haven't arrived, but wherever we have arrived, live up to that. Church, did you hear that? Wherever you are, let that be your starting point. In other words, Paul is saying, wherever you are, forget the past, move on, and wherever that line is, live up to that. And never go back. And I want to provoke us this morning, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in a moment, that lines will be drawn today that we cross over and we never go back. That whatever it is in our life that need to be left behind because they are immature, that those lines are crossed and we say, I've crossed them, I've dealt with them, and I'm never, ever going to go back. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 6 talks about not laying again the, the foundations, the elementary teachings of the faith, but moving on to maturity. And church, it's time to grow up. In fact, he, he says in, in, in chapter 5, you should be teachers by now. But in fact, you still need milk. Now, of course, I'm not talking to anybody in the room here. I'm talking about our friends who are not here. <laughs> but for those who are not here today, that's who we're talking about. You okay with this, guys? But it's time to grow up. It's time to mature. It's time to come to a place of telling us. So I began to ask myself questions. I don't know about you, but I love this book. I love the Word of God. The Word of God that is being challenged across the earth. It's not a new thing. It's a cyclical thing that the Word of God gets challenged. Is it really the Word of God? Is it re- Can I just remind us this is the Word of God? This is His voice imprint. This is the only book that we will ever use, read, when the author is always present. It is also the only weapon that we have. In Ephesians, says, in Ephesians 6, it says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the weapon of our warfare. And if we question this and lay this down, we have also just laid down our weapon, Amen. our only weapon. Because it is the sword of the Spirit. Selah. What would enjoying God look like from a teleos point of view? I think it was in a prayer meeting or maybe it was during worship. Somebody used the word um, about joy. I, I think God's people should be the happiest people on the planet. But so often we are joy impaired. (laughs) Philippians says this, be joyful always. Give thanks in every situation, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So God's will is actually for us to be full of joy. No? I think God's people should be happy. What about 
teleos marriage. What would marriage look like, teleos? What would marriage look like when it was fully grown? What would marriage look like when it was fully grown up, when it was mature? And there's two words, husbands, love your wife as Christ does the church. Wives, honor your husbands. Love, honor, love, honor, love, honor, love, honor. And when we do it, there's a great mystery that happens. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 5, when he seems to be talking about this great marriage seminar, he concludes, but I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. What would happen if we obeyed God? (laughs) Just imagine for a moment. What would happen, church, if the church, the ecclesia across the world, took the word of God, we read it, and then we obeyed it? This is deep, isn't it? What would happen... And when's it going to happen? Because if it's not us, who? If it's not now, when? Because Peter says that we can hasten the day of his return. He's waiting. But what would happen? What would happen if God's people actually believed him? What would happen if God's people obeyed him? We actually did what the word said. And we didn't make excuses anymore. Here's a thought. What will the church look like five minutes before Jesus comes back? If he's coming back for a bride that's made herself ready, and all the other things we prayed earlier, earlier just now, if all of those things were happening, what would that look like? Maybe we need to see that picture and then work backwards. What will business look like? The seven spheres or mountains of influence of which the church is just one. What does a church mature, living in teleos, actually look like? Here's another one. What about teleos confrontation? Hands up if you love being confronted. Here's a little test, right? We're doing one of these in one of the churches every month, we're doing a teleos test. What did you learn this month? Here's the test. And those who are responsible for teaching present the test, and the church then gets to test themselves for themselves, by themselves, to see how they're doing. But you know, Proverbs says, he who hates correction is stupid. The Greek word there is stupid. (laughs) I I didn't make that up. Proverbs 12 verse 1. You can read it for yourself. He who hates correction is stupid. But if you were really honest, how many people really love correction? Teleos. I was with a gentleman by the, other, by the name of Mike Stevens. He, Mike is 80 years old. He's on our leadership team in the States, and uh, he's English. He was a British power trooper, and um, he's known for being very strict. And I was having breakfast with him the other day. I meet him probably once, every, once a week for, for lunch, and 
And at the end, I said, Mike, um, he said, tell me about Telios. We were talking about Telios, and, and he gets really excited, and he's writing a book right now, and he's just uh, excited about everything that God's doing in the earth and wants to be involved in everything. And, and uh, I was just talking to him. I said, right at the end, I said, hey, Mike, speak into my life. He looked at me, and he said, uh, what do you mean? I said, give me three things right now in my life that need to change, that you think I need to, I need to change on. He was like, okay, number one, Number two, number three, I was like, whoa, whoa, just steady. Slow down a little bit. Maybe pretend like you've got, you know, like you'd have to think about it. But no, he didn't. He just bam, 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 bam. He said, you want some more? I'm like, no, three was good. Wow. How long have you been thinking about those things for, Mike? (laughs) But I walked away thinking, wow, I didn't like that. He who hates correction is stupid. Therefore, the opposite must be true. He who loves correction is wise. Lord, will you help me to love correction? Here's a a teleos test for you this week. Ask somebody who really knows you, who's going to tell you the truth, to speak into your life. Say, give me three things. Or just if you're just learning and you're just starting out, start with one. And maybe start with your wife or your kids you might be a little shocked because we all have blind spots. But you know what? We all need to grow up. And it might be painful, but it's actually good for you and it's good for me. I bumped into Ray Mort today. I said, Ray, it's so good to see you. And where are you, Ray? Sir, I love you. First time we came to the church here, 2000, I think it was 14 or 15, and we had an all-church meeting and those of you there uh, know what the meeting was about. And uh, Fee and I were there to talk about the way forward of the church. And Ray put his hand up and he said, we don't want you here. <laughs> I said, oh, oh, okay. And he went like this. I reminded him this, this morning. I said, do you remember that, Ray? He said, all we want here is the Holy Ghost. We're sick and tired of all this rubbish. People doing this and doing that. We just want the Holy Ghost. I said, me too. He goes, well, then we'll see. (laughs) You know, we need people in our lives like Ray. We need people who will just call a spade a spade. Church, are you okay with this? Listen, these are, these are little things, but often it's the little things, isn't it? Confrontation. Why don't, how about if we started inviting confrontation? You know, if you love the word, you're going to come under attack. Jesus says this, they, they were persecuted because of the word. The word attracts attack. And I think we're in an hour where we can't be wishy-washy about stuff. We need to call things out. Call people out on little issues. You know, Matthew 18 says, if your brother wrongs you, go to him, just the two of you, and show him his fault. Just the two of you. If he hears you, you won your brother. There's the key to win your brother, not the argument. If he doesn't hear you, bring someone else. Why don't we do that? Someone came to me in the, in the town here recently and said, um, I'm glad you're in town. I'd like you to help us sort out an issue with another leader in the town. And I said, 
oh, why, what's that got to do with me? And they said, well, this person did this. I said, hang on, before I got involved in this, could you tell me this? When you went to them, what did they say? Oh, I haven't been to them yet. I said, then why are you telling me? Go to your brother. Just the two of you. If he hears you, you warn your brother. I think there's something powerful about simple obedience. I have a friend who's a preacher. Many of you would know who I was, who he was if I said his name, but to protect him, I won't. But he loves cakes. Like, he really, really loves cakes. And he loves cakes so much. Many years ago, he was, he was, he was diagnosed as a diabetic. And he went to the doctor, and the doctor would say, listen, you need to lose some weight. You need to stop eating cakes. And he said, that's okay. I'll just take more insulin. And the problem didn't go away. And then one day, he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, listen, you haven't listened to me. If you don't change you're going to go blind. He said, I haven't eaten a cake since. You know, it is possible to live a life without sin. Is it possible to sin, to not sin for 10 minutes? Well, then it's possible to sin for, not sin for 20. Now, I'm not trying to put some heavy legalistic thing on us. I'm just saying, hey, it's these little things that are stopping us from growing up. There are little things that in all of our lives that we need to change and say, I'm going to turn this over to you. There are things in my life that God's got his finger on. He says, like, you've got to change in this area. You've got to yield to me in this area. I, I don't want to, he says, but you have to. Freedom. What would a church, a, tele, a church in teleos freedom? A church that was so free and powerful. <laughs> what would it look like? Think for a moment. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, do not let yourself be burdened with the, again with the yoke of slavery. Don't let yourself be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. What about the church? What about the ecclesia full of the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? What if we really were full of the Holy Spirit? What if the fruit of the, the, fruit of the Spirit literally just oozed out of us? That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Church, is that awesome? If you bumped into someone and they are so full of the Holy Spirit, because love is patient and love is kind, that when you touch somebody, you just feel the love of God. I'm going to pray in a moment and I'm going to ask we're going to get rid of some stuff today because it's still January <laughs> and I know it's just a date but I believe that God wants to say I want to take you for that which you have that you've, not that you've obtained all of this but live up to that which you have already attained everyone say attained that which you and I believe God wants to take to, to, just to let some things in the past go forgetting that which is behind I press on to that which is ahead that this year we start to grow up that we'll, we'll look back in this year and think wow as I've listened to this teaching on letters to the churches and the Holy Spirit through his word arrests us and grips us 
rather than, yeah, that's good, yeah, I'm not sure if I fully agree with that, or, yeah, I have to think about that, or, yeah, I just maybe later on, but like, Lord, you are, either, you're, either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. But I, I, Lord, I, I'm going to give you everything. Well, I can't give you everything. I'll start. Yeah, okay, well, let's start. Let's start. But let's get radical. Can you imagine a radical church? Can you imagine a ch- the, the church that is moving in such power that people are getting healed in people's shadows because God trusts us enough? You know, so we often say, um, um, do you trust the Lord? Sometimes I wonder, can God trust us? Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. He wasn't talking about taking a nap. Headship is to do with authority. The Son of Man, Jesus, had nowhere to rest his authority question. Can Jesus rest his headship, his authority, in this church? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, he has. The answer is yes, he is. And the answer is he will. Teleos discipleship. Teleos warfare. Teleos evangelism. Teleos missions. That we start seeing things differently, how we impact the world, how we reach the world. The world is moving really, really fast. If you look at the speed of AI, artificial intelligence, and the impact that's going to have on the world over these next few years, it's mind-blowing. But God is above it all. We're not to be afraid of technology. We're not to be afraid. Jesus says, do not be afraid. You will hear these things that take place. Do not be afraid, but stand up and lift up your head. But this is the hour the church has got to arise. And start taking these things really, really seriously. From the smallest little thing to the smallest little attitude to the biggest. What does unity in the body of Christ look like? Teleos. Ultimately, what will it look like? A glorious, radiant church where the spirit and the bride say come. Have you ever thought about that for a moment? Just the spirit and the bride together will say come Lord Jesus. There'll be such an instinct of heaven coming to earth that as heaven touches earth, as Jesus prayed, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven that the bride and the Spirit together will say, come Lord Jesus. When I was a child, I thought like a child, Paul says, I talked like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Teleos. If you've done wrong, repent. If you've been wronged, forgive. And that's it. That's pretty-
pretty simple, huh? If you've done wrong, repent. Repent means to change your mind. But if you've been wronged, forgive. And when you forgive, that means you keep no record of when you've been wronged. That's what love is. See, love is not something that we do. God is, love isn't something that God, God is like. God is love. So when we bump into God, when we bump into God, we bump into love. Love keeps no record of when it's been wronged. So can I just suggest to you that if you feel like, well, I forgave that person, but I don't trust them, or I forgave that person and now they need to do tenants, then you have not forgiven them. And it is immature. (laughs) Too much? I've got another message if you want. All right. (laughs) It's going to get better now, okay? Everybody. You know, Acts chapter 3 says, when we repent, times of refreshing comes to us. I, one of my, my favorite things to talk about is enjoying God, the fullness of the Spirit, living in outrageous, contagious generosity and joy. I love all that. But I do believe there's steps And the more I read my Bible and I see the state of people, including myself, I think often we can track it back to a misstep or something that we've missed or an area that we won't yield. And that's why I want to talk about it today because I believe God's people should be the freest, happiest people on the planet, full of joy and full of purpose. And I just want, I'm going to close with this. Many of you remember the story of David. And it's the part, it's one of my favorite passages in the scripture. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And David himself is in a season where he's a little disappointed. And he's coming home, and he's actually been sent home, told him he couldn't fight with his fighting men. And as he's coming home, what he would thought would happen is that he would hear the sounds of his family, of his children, of his army's family and children. He thought he would sit, hear the sound of music. He thought he would smell the smell of cooking. But instead of that, as they approached home at Ziklag, he heard nothing and smelt nothing but only an eerie silence. And as they approached their camp, they realized that the Amalekites had come and burnt their houses to the ground. And they had taken David's wives and his children and all the mighty men and all his David's fighting men. They had taken everything that they had, didn't kill one of them, but took them all prisoner. And if you read into the scripture, and I love this, and some of you are there, even while I've been here in Bath and have the, the chance to meet a few people, I've heard it again, the feeling of disappointment, the feeling of being under attack, the feeling of, of I, I, I don't know why this is happening. For some, it's despair. And I thought, man, I, I've been there recently at a place where you, where you just feel like this anguish. And, I, and if you go with David, if you can imagine the feeling as a leader, these feeling his own men, it says bitterness entered their spirits. 
because they'd come home and they'd lost their families. People had actually died. And it says this, then they turned on David and said, let's stone him. And if you can imagine for a moment this great King David, this man that's after God's own heart, that has killed tens of thousands while Saul only his thousands. He was a man that took Israel to its highest height, and here he is at his lowest low, and he's on his hands and his knees, and he's crawled away from his own men, and he's pouring his heart out to God. It's in times like that where you'd hope that your men would be the people that would encourage you. There must be someone that can encourage you, but no. Like Elijah, like so many men, it's just them and God. There's no infrastructure. There's no international prayer group. There's no team. It's just David, and he's there, and he's on his own, and he's feeling this absolute anguish, not only for the loss of his own um, men's family, but for his own family. But on top of that, now his own men want to kill him. Let's kill David. And here he is. Just hit pause on that story and I'll come back to it, I promise. But when I was 18 years old, I grew up in the church here and I got my driver's license and like probably many 18 years old, 18 year olds, or if you're here and you've recently started to drive, um, please don't think that what I'm about to tell you is in any way cool, because it's not. But at 18 years old, I thought I was a fabulous driver. And some of you remember this story because you came and visited me in hospital, but I wasn't really walking with the Lord and I was um, really in a time of wasting my years. I was a year away from coming back to the Lord and my mother lent me her car and I went up to the university one summer and the university was closed and we played this game. And it was, you had to, it was basically a game of chase in cars. And so I hid behind a tree in my mother's car on the grass. And then when my friend was looking for me, I turned on the lights like the movies, boom. And then I began to chase him. Now, remember, I thought because I was 18, I was an experienced driver, but actually I wasn't. And we took off and we turned right by Claverton down. And then there's this part of the road that just kind of uh, just it, it looks like it goes straight on, but then it actually hooks down to the left. Well, when I realized this, I thought, oh, it goes round to the left. But I thought it went straight on. So I did what any experienced driver would do. I locked my arms on the steering wheel, hit the brakes and closed my eyes. (laughs) The impact was 110 miles an hour. I won't tell you how fast my past portion was. But my collarbone snapped and the ignition key went through my kneecap. Um, Everybody in the car was okay except for me. There was a car coming up the hill, which I hit head on, and everybody um, in that car was okay as well. Turned out we knew them too. And I had to go to the RUH, and I was in the RUH, and I ended up staying in the the hospital for six weeks. I was non-weight bearing on my legs, so I couldn't couldn't walk with crutches because of my collarbones. And so I kind of got accustomed to this lifestyle. I got to eat food. People came and looked after me. People came and saw me. And there was this one little device that the nurses gave me 
which they strapped to my thumb, and it was called morphine. And all I knew about morphine, this little button, this magical button, is if you pressed it, 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 it did something to your body and made you feel great. And so when I was in pain, I'd hit this button and it would fire this morphine into my body and then I'd feel great and people would come. And now I learned after a while, if I didn't want to talk to somebody, I just keep hitting the button and I kind of go into oblivion for a while and I wouldn't have to talk to anyone. And anyway, this went on for weeks and after six weeks, I was, I was let out of the hospital and they took me out of the cast and it was New Year's Eve. And so I slipped on the ice and then I had to have surgery that night and I went back into the hospital again and was in the cast for another six weeks. I was very mature back then. And then one day, after just a few days of being in there, this nurse walked in and I was playing my video games and enjoying being in the road traffic accident ward. And I thought, well, I'm gonna be here for a few more weeks. And she said, you're going home today? And I said, oh no, I, I'm not. I need, what are you doing with that thing? And she took the morphine away from me. I was insulted, I thought it was rude. How dare you? Take away that morphine. And I was angry. I thought, you can't take away that morphine. That's my like, lifeline. I, I need that. And she clapped her hands and she said, get out of bed. You're fine. She said, you had the surgery. You need to get going. And I gave her every excuse in the book why that was not possible and how much pain I was in. And she slapped me around and sent me to a physiotherapist and then sent me home. While David is on the floor calling out to God, the Bible says this, that David wept till there was no strength left in him, and then he encouraged himself in the Lord. Will you say that with me? He encouraged himself in the Lord. That is a Hebrew word, and it is a Hebrew word, and some of you have heard me talk about this before. It is a Hebrew word, shazak. David shazaked himself. And it literally means David conquered himself. David encouraged himself. David strengthened himself. Another word, another word says David found himself. David shazaked himself. He encouraged himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord. And it says this, that David got up and he called his men together and he said, this is what we're going to do. I have strengthened myself in God. I have inquired of the Lord. We're going to go and we're going to attack the Amalekites. We will overcome them. We will take over them and we will get our wives and our children and we will bring it all back at Ziklag. Ziklag, by the way, actually means turning point. Everyone say turning point. And today, I believe, as I close, today is a ziklag moment for us individually. So there's going to be a turning point where things, we forget that which is gone and press on to that which is ahead. I just want to say this, and I need to say this delicately. There are times in our life where God will blind the eyes and close the ears to those closest to us to cause us to go to the only one that can really help us, and that's Jesus. What that nurse in the IOH did for me is she 
knowingly or unknowingly, was teaching me to shazak myself. And if we're not careful, we will just come to church for a morphine shot. And leaders will become pushers, and Christians will become addicts. But I believe today God is saying it's time to come up higher. It's time to enter a place of teleos. It's time to grow up. It's time to get bigger. It's time to leave things behind. When I was a child, I thought, I talked, I reasoned. I talked, I thought, I reasoned. But when I became teleos, when I grew up, I left those things behind me. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And some of you, I believe, are in a place where you desperately need encouragement and God's saying, I'm going to teach you to encourage yourself. I'm going to teach you to come to me, not to other things, counterfeit affections. I'm going to teach you to come and eat out of the palm of my hand.